0: From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, August 16th. On Sunday, a group traveled into the LaSalle Mountains to observe one year passing since the murder of Moab locals Kylan Schulte and Crystal Turner. A suspect has been named in that case, but the investigation is still open. And some are still looking for closure. Justin Higginbottom has more.
1: Around 10 people gathered at Shulte and Turner's last camp above Moab. They burned sage and offered prayers and a break between monsoon storms. The gathering was live streamed for those that couldn't make it.
2: Come on, you guys, hurry.
1: Cindy Sue Hunter was one of those that made the drive. She's the one that found the bodies of the couple after they went missing.
2: It was really nice. It was just plain and simple and just love. And I really enjoyed hearing all the stories that uh, people shared.
1: Hunter has since left Moab. She says the trip back took around 20 hours due to storms and flooding.
2: I was hoping by going that it would help me, and I'm still praying that it helps me. I'm just trying to process my feelings and emotions from the whole thing.
1: Kylan's father, Sean Paul Schulte, told the crowd that he hopes things will go in the right order now, children bearing their parents and not the other way around.
2: So it was good to see Sean Paul and give him a hug and And I really hope that he's able to start putting his life back together.
1: This was the first time Hunter was able to show the father the camp where she found the girls.
2: So I'd never been able to show him, you know, where where things were and stuff. So I was able to show him where the tent was and where the hammock was and where the bunny was and where I found her daughter. And then I was able to point in the general direction of where Crystal was because I'd never found her.
1: The Grand County Sheriff's Department named Adam Pinkowitz as a suspect in the murders. Pinkowitz worked at McDonald's with Turner. He was found out of state, dead by suicide. But the investigation is still open, and facts around the case aren't yet public.
2: I hope this Adam guy's the guy and that we get closure soon. I think that would help me a lot if they released that information.
1: She says police took her phone and told her she was a suspect some weeks before naming Pinkowitz, and she says her phone still hasn't been returned. She doesn't want her location shared, and she says she is still dealing with debilitating trauma.
2: So I just have to wait for them to release the evidence before I can finally have peace.
1: She says closure is a long way off. Unsealing the investigation would help, but these mountains, once a refuge from the desert, have changed for her. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News.
0: An environmental nonprofit is offering Utahns a new perspective on the challenges facing the Great Salt Lake by giving them a bird's eye view of its shrinking shoreline as dry conditions and human water consumption continue to threaten the lake's water levels. Amy Van Tietenhove with our partners at Utah Public Radio has more.
3: Last week, EcoFlight, a nonprofit dedicated to environmental education and conservation by providing flights over important wildlife habitats, flew over Great Salt Lake in partnership with the Great Salt Lake Collaborative. Max Malmquist, the outreach associate for the National Audubon Society's Saline Lakes program was on board. It puts into perspective what a large problem we have and how complex of a problem we have. Thinking about agricultural water use, and municipal water use, and industrial water use in addition to trying to make that effort for environmental purposes. The flight flew over the eastern shore of Great Salt Lake, above the Bear River Migratory Bird Refuge and other critical wetland habitat for Utah wildlife, then across the promontory Point Mountains and out over the hypersaline pink waters of the lake's north arm. Momquist noted the Bear River, an important source of water for Great Salt Lake, was visible from the plain, but that the river ran dry before it reached the lake. The Bear River itself, it flows into the lake in between the Bear River Migratory Bird Refuge and the Promontory Point Mountains. And over the last few years, especially in kind of the late summer and fall, it has stopped flowing. So we were able to kind of see that firsthand today from above. And yeah, you think of the mighty Bear River and, you know, associate it with a large portion of the water that flows to Great Salt Lake. And to see it just kind of peter out like that, it was definitely depressing. While there's been a significant push to protect Great Salt Lake by Utah's legislature, municipalities near the lake, and environmental groups, Monquist cautioned that there's no silver bullet solution and that reversing Great Salt Lake's decline will take time. We can't just, you know, spend billions of dollars in the next year and have a solution. It's going to take all of us kind of working together to figure it out. With Utah Public Radio, I'm Amy Van Tatenhove. That
0: report is from our partners at UPR. New indigenous stories are hitting TV screens like the latest season of FX's Reservation Dogs and new shows like Dark Winds on AMC. Emma Gibson of the Mountain West News Bureau looks at the push to further Native
4: storytelling. We all know stories that impact us are authentic ones, reminding us of our own lives. But there's a gap in mainstream media when it comes to the stories of Native people. But one story that made it recently is Reservation Dogs. It's a comedy about four indigenous kids coming of age on their reservation after the death of a friend. In season one, they go to an uncle's house for tips on how to fight some bullies. But he doesn't want to help at first and boasts of his life off the grid.
0: I, I only go to town to borrow some flour from my cousin Frank. I live off the land mainly.
4: Mm. Looks like you go to Sonics
2: a lot. Why are you here?
4: That sort of all native scene is rare on TV and in the movies. The 2021 Hollywood Diversity Report says less than 1% of top film roles were native in 2020. Native writers were also scarce. Ariane Eason teaches psychology at the University of California, Berkeley. She says indigenous people need to be represented for non natives to understand issues like the missing and murdered indigenous peoples crisis.
3: And it fuels this sense of apathy towards the situation. And so we can see if people can't see Indigenous peoples, then they can't see their experiences and therefore don't want to fight for them.
4: It also impacts how Indigenous people see themselves and could increase the risk of suicidal thoughts, depression, and anxiety.
3: When there's little to no representation or when that representation is negative, then what we're left with is these ideas that maybe our future isn't as bright as it could be.
4: So Eason calls for more accurate and positive representations. Some tribes, like the Cherokee Nation and Pueblo of Te in New Mexico, have created their own film studios or training programs. Groups like the Sundance Institute also support Indigenous-created stories. One new initiative comes from Netflix and an Indigenous social justice group called Illuminative. This year, they launched a producer training program to increase Native representation of behind-the-scenes jobs in TV and film.
0: For so long, right, companies have said there's no audience for this, right? Nobody wants to hear these stories. Nobody cares about these stories.
4: Leah Salgado is Latinx and Pasquiaki. She works for Illuminative and wants Native people included in all aspects of film and television. She says TV shows like Reservation Dogs or Peacock's Rutherford Falls do that.
0: Being able to see and watch, right, folks really connect with those characters and connect with those stories means that, right, like this big myth that has been going around in Hollywood for so long is actually just false.
4: Eight producers were selected for the training program and they're being taught how to pitch a story and write a budget. Each trainee also gets $25,000 to produce their own story. Ashley Browning is one of them. She's from the Pueblos of Pewaukee and Santa Clara in New Mexico. We have these false stereotypes of like the Indian princess, the stoic Indian, the Indian warrior, and that's not who we are. She remembers watching the 1995 film Indian in a Cupboard. It's about a white boy and a toy indigenous man who comes to life. He is a real Iroquois man. He talks, eats, he
3: trusts me. That's very interesting. But I can't relate because
4: it really doesn't touch anything that I see in myself or see growing up. But now seeing things like reservation dogs, I get it. (laughs) Throughout the program, she's producing a short film called Lover's Cycle. It's about a Diné man who reluctantly returns to his reservation after a breakup and discovers a different type of love. Other producers come from tribes like the Ogala Lakota or Blackfeet and Cherokee Nations. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Emma Gibson. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, August 16th.
0: Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7.